Good evening, church. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me for this seventh session in the letters of John. Uh, the, the title of this study, uh, and a very uh, comprehensive one, and I want to do some unpacking, is called The True God. But before we go there, let me open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, you are the one true God. There are many false gods, many fake gods in the world that are eye candy that can easily consume the heart, the eye, the body, the mind, and the soul, but they are not the one true God, and you are. In fact, when we uh, seek, when we worship, Lord, the fake gods, the false gods of this world, we come up empty, Lord, but it is with you, the Almighty God, Yahweh, Lord, that we will be filled with all that we need for abundant life. So bless this study, bless the reading, Lord, and I pray that those who watch it, Lord, will receive a hundredfold. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So, uh, church, what I'd like to do is read from the fifth chapter uh, in 1 John uh, to close uh, this uh, particular epistle. I'm going to pick up with verse 13. This is uh, the conclusion uh, of, this, of this first uh, epistle here. So, beginning with verse 13 of chapter 5 in 1 John. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray. God will give you that person life. If there is a sin that leads to death, I am not saying that you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God, and because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A good, uh, strong closing there. So, so I just wanted to mention a, a few things that I, I thought needed some unpacking. So uh, let me go to uh, the, the book reference here and, and just offer this. Those who believe in Jesus, who abide in God, stand at the place where heaven and earth meet. And I, I thought that was really a, a, a powerful 
image here. They are encouraged to draw down the blessings of heaven into the life of earth and to know that they make their requests that they have already been granted. Even though with scripture itself and Christian experience both teach, they may be granted in ways that are in fact not expected. I wanted to mention that and also uh, one other thing here that, uh, that spoke to me uh, in, this, uh, in this study here, and it's, uh, it's a note uh, about a, a particular verse here, uh, 1 John 5.21, and I will read this again. Dear children, keep away from anything that may take God's place. Uh, in our hearts, and of course, when we do that, right there's there, there, there's jeopardy, uh, calamity that comes about. So I wanted to wanted to mention uh, this from the professor here. Certainly, John would not want his readers to have anything to do with pagan worship, but by idols in quotes, he means something more subtle than that, more in keeping with what he has been saying all through. The point of insisting on God's love, on the vital importance of loving one another, and above all on Jesus, the Messiah, having come in the flesh, is that this isn't just one necessary truth among many. It is the sign that we are actually worshiping the true God rather than some mundane idol. The idol in question would not be carved and placed in a temple. The idol in question would be called, in quotes, God, and might be worshipped by some people who call themselves, in quotes, Christians. But it would actually be a different God, not the one true God at all. The true God is known by the fact that he sent his son to come into the world in human flesh to die a genuine human death. Deny that. And you're not just denying something about Jesus. You're denying something about God himself. This, then, is the true God. And this life which we have in him is indeed the life of the age to come. So it's all about who God is and what, what God has done in Jesus Christ, and to deny uh, who Christ is as being the the Messiah, the Anointed One by God, is to you know, it, it, in fact, uh, deny uh, that uh, that 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 very gospel reality. So I wanted to want, wanted to mention that about about the the true God, uh, and also pick up on something here that. Uh, I thought was important, and I'm, there it is. Okay, I've got my notes here. Okay, something that I I, I wanted to elaborate on just for uh, a moment that I thought was um, a little unclear, so I I, I just wanted to to offer just some notes here. Uh, The mention here from John about sin to death and sin not to death. And I'll turn here. Okay, verse 16 of chapter 5 in 1 John says this, If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not 
lead to death. You should pray, and God will give you that person's life. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. And 17, all wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. So I, I just wanted to elaborate here. Um, <clears throat> so given, uh, given that verse, let, 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 me just, let me just highlight a few things here. So criteria for a valid interpretation of sin to death and sin not to death. Number one, believers must be able to commit the sin not to death, end quotes. Those sinning to death are, of course, not believers. Language suggests this is any sin, not a particular sin. It must be a reason why God will give life to, in quotes, sins not to death and not to sins to death, okay? But it must, of course, fit within the context of, uh, of this reading, chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 21. And, and then, of course, it must be consistent uh, with, with the rest uh, of Scripture. So, just, just a few things to take note of here. Number one, an unforgivable sin versus a forgivable sin, okay? No other Scripture makes a distinction between forgivable and non-forgivable sins. No passage suggests that there are sins that the blood of Christ cannot cover and that we, in turn, cannot be redeemed of. John's language does not refer, then, to a specific sin. The language suggests any sin can be a sin which does or does not lead to death. Number two, any sin which causes physical death versus those which do not cause physical death. A couple of things here, three things. John never uses death in this letter to refer to physical death. In fact, context suggests that he's talking about, in fact, a spiritual life and spiritual death. So we would expect him then, of course, to be talking uh, about, about those, those two differences, okay? Uh, there are many examples in the Old Testament of people committing sins that lead to one's or someone else's death, okay? But we never uh, are told not, not to pray for them. We don't see a distinction between sins which cause physical death and sins which don't elsewhere uh, cause any kind of resulting life or death uh, in the New Testament. Okay, let's talk a moment about apostasy, which is a believer renouncing the faith versus all other sins. While there is no question that those who reject the faith will face God's judgment. One who is born of God cannot ultimately reject the faith 
according to the rest of the letter and other scriptures. Here's, here's the, the biblical reference here. 1 John 5.18 suggests that those who commit sins to death are, in fact, not believers. Uh, another thing here, a sin which results from a character of unbelief. Now this language, this fits uh, language as any sin that may or may not be rooted in an unbelief. Believer sin is not rooted in the character of unbelief and rebellion to God as is the sin of non-believers. It explains why we are not to pray for those, uh, for, for the one uh, whose sin is rooted in a spiritual unbelief. God will, in fact, uh, reconcile and, and, and make, uh, make do with that. So to paraphrase here, if anyone sees a person sinning, but that person has genuine faith, he shall make a request of God on his brother's behalf, and he, God, will give life to the one sinning, because the one sinning has faith. Some people sin out of a rejection of God and a character of unbelief. Now concerning this person, the one whose sin arises from rejection of God, I'm not saying to make a request of God on his behalf because God has not guaranteed that that person will in fact be saved. Verse 17, all sin is wrong, but some sins do not spring from a rejection of God and a lifestyle of unbelief. So, ultimately, to kind of bring us back here, what is John's point? Once you have genuine saving faith, even your sin will not jeopardize your eternal life. So a, a lot of that was convoluted, but let me just say say it here uh, to, to wrap it up. The point being, once you have genuine saving faith, even your sin cannot jeopardize your eternal life. Okay. So in summary here, 1 John 5 verses 13 through 15. You can have confidence about receiving eternal life because God always answers requests for righteousness. 1 John 5, 16 through 19 can be summarized in this way. You can have confidence that even your sin will not jeopardize your eternal life because believers do not sin out of a character of unbelief. And then lastly, 1 John 5, 20 and 21. You can have confidence that this is the true message because it was taught by Jesus Christ himself. Words of the Savior from himself. So, just wanted to clarify that, summarize that, and uh, bring bring that uh, that first letter to uh, a conclusion. So, uh, with all of that said, we will uh, pick up next uh, next week with uh, session uh, eight.
uh, in this study. So let me let me pray for us, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God. A, a, a lot of a lot of uh, content here, a, a, a lot of uh, clarity and, and and understanding needs to be uh, brought to Scripture to uh, the uh, epistles of, of John. It begins, Lord, by having deep uh, biblical saving faith, Lord, in, in you and in your work of the cross and, and in your saving nature that comes uh, only, Lord, from you. We know that that can be uh, better revealed to us uh, from your word. Lord, we pray, Lord, for believers and unbelievers alike, Lord, that you are a, a mighty uh, and saving God. It begins Lord, with saving faith. I pray that we all seek that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Church, God bless you. You have a wonderful evening, and I will see you next week. God bless.